Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would speak to us now as we read it, as we look at it, as we study it, and as we seek to understand it better so that we can follow you and obey you and love you, Lord, with obedience. So please help us, we pray, as we look at the Bible now. Teach us, we ask in Jesus' name. And please help James, Lord. Uh, we pray, Father, you wouldn't have to have an operation. Lord, we pray that uh, they'll be able to help him in other ways. You know what Sam's fears are. But Lord, we ask for peace and for wisdom and the best thing and the right thing to be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're now into our last uh, three sessions of Agents of Grace. And uh, we've got our advanced training. And we're looking at survival training at the moment. Uh, and as we've read already from Ephesians chapter 6, that's the passage we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. Now, the first thing as agents of grace is that we need to be able to survive when things are difficult. Uh, if you're in a spy agency or a crime fighting agency, you need to have some survival training to know how to survive on the run uh, in the desert, in the jungle, wherever it might be. And uh, we see that when it comes to the spiritual battle that we're in, uh, there's also a need for uh, being able to survive in difficult circumstances when things are, are really, really tough. And the first thing is it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. In this passage here, we've got various uh, phrases, words and phrases. Be strong. Take your stand. Talks about our struggle. And struggle means that we have to be active in doing something, don't we? We're not passive in the struggle. We have to be active to stand your ground, to hold your ground to stand firm, readiness, to be alert and always keep on, always keep on, uh, to be fearless. So words which show we need to have a certain state of mind. We need to have a, a determination in this spiritual battle, a dogged tenacity, a backbone, courage, grit, an indomitable spirit. That's practice saying that word, by the way. Now, when you read accounts of people who have survived plane crashes, in remote jungles or shipwrecks at sea, one big factor is the mindset, the mindset of the person who is the victim of a crash or, or getting lost uh, wherever it might be. It's the I will not give up attitude. And that makes a huge difference to the survival outcomes. The people that have survived such difficult situations, they've had this I will not give up attitude. But of course, that's all well and good, but there's a limit, isn't there? There's a limit to human grit and determination. It'll only get you so far. Now, the Bible says, be strong, be strong in this passage here in verse 10. Finally, be strong. Now, isn't it pointless, though, when someone feels really weak and very battered by life to say to them, be strong? You know, isn't it like saying to an old person, be young or to a blind person, look carefully? It seems a bit empty. Well, when the Bible says to us, be strong, it doesn't mean pretend that you're big and powerful. It doesn't mean pretend that you're strong when you're not. We can admit that we're not feeling very strong, that we're not able to keep going in our own strength. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. But rather, it's an, inst it's an instruction to set our mind, to set our heart to that grit mode, if you like, that grit mode. If you like to set our minds to a determined survival mindset. And we need to do it. It's something that we're told to do and we need to do it. It's something that we can do because if God tells us to do something, then we obviously can do it. 
And we may have to learn to cultivate that spirit of grit and survival, but we need to do it. For example, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, it says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. It's telling us, be courageous, be strong. And then in the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So be courageous, be strong, do not be afraid, and so on. So there's an element of deciding or choosing to be courageous, as we see from the Bible. Choosing to be strong, choosing to be to, to not give up. And it's a choice and it's a state of mind. It's a, if you like, turning to face the battle rather than running away from the battle. And we know through history, many people have faced very difficult, dangerous situations and made that choice to face that battle, to face that difficulty, to face the challenge that lies before them. But the reality is that we are weak, aren't we? And we don't feel like doing that. I don't always feel like being strong and taking my stand. So isn't it all just play acting? Isn't it all just words and, and big talk? Isn't it just like the Disney kind of believe and you, you can achieve anything, which isn't true? Well, notice when it says be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then in our own passage here, it says be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in him, not in our own strength. It's almost as if that when we take courage and turn to face the battle, then and when we decide rather than to run to face into the difficulty, then the Lord's strength comes in. Be strong. Set your mindset to be strong. And then the Lord's strength comes in. Now, we can, we can never imagine, for example, holding out against persecution. I mean, I don't like to even think about it. To think of being tortured for our faith. To, to kind of think, how would I hold out in that situation? But we're not there yet, are we? Hopefully, we will never be in an extreme way in those situations. But countless times, Christians have found that when the needs arise, then courage rises too. The need, when the need's there, the courage comes in and the strength comes in to be courageous. As we stand our ground, the strength will be there. Uh, and just a very mild example in my own life, um, basically every time I preach <laughs> this happens, that um, I find it hard, but, but uh, particularly when I used to do more open air work, when we used to go into the town centre, when we used to go to fairgrounds and race courses, when I used to work with the open air mission, lots of crowds, sometimes half drunk crowds and so on. And we used to go and, and, and share the gospel and sometimes stand and just preach, preach to people. And those moments before starting to open your mouth and starting to, to speak are so scary. And uh, inside I'm praying and praying. And then you take the step, you open your mouth, you start to speak, start to engage with the people. And then God gives you the strength that you didn't have a few minutes before. You couldn't imagine doing it a few minutes before. And that's a very small example. Um, but I'm sure there are others of you who have different examples that you could bring in. That when you've taken that step, then God has come in with the strength. There's an old hymn and one line says, let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Now, of course, God could make us all automatically, thoughtlessly fearless. But we're not, are we? And that's very real. The truth is that sin in a sinful world has left us prone to anxiousness, to nervousness, 
and to fear. And for various reasons, experiences, as well as the general stuff that's going on in the world and our own hearts and weaknesses, we are prone to being anxious, nervous and fearful. And God knows that. So why does he say, be strong, take your stand and so on, stand firm and, and be alert and, and always keep on? Well, it's because God wants us to grow and to develop. God wants us to develop in our characters. And so therefore, as we do that, as we make our stand, we will grow and develop in our endurance, in our characters. And as we make that choice to be strong in the Lord, to be courageous, God's strength will come in to help us. And time and time again, Christians have experienced that. So be encouraged. It is a state of mind. We do need to do something about it. We need to make a choice to face the battle, to be strong. But remember that you're not on your own. Now, the second thing is this, that we have an enemy. First 11 and 12 in our passage talks about this enemy or enemies. It talks about the devil's schemes. And it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then verse 16 talks about the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, Paul and his fellow agents, they had suffered at the hands of local government officials. They'd suffered from mobs. They'd even suffered from the religious establishment, even some of Paul's own former colleagues. They'd suffered real pain and real wounds. They hurt. And Paul was currently in prison in chains. He talks about his chains here in this passage. And yet, Paul writes here that we shouldn't focus on people flesh and blood as our enemies, but instead the forces, the motivations, the influences behind them. Now, what is the devil? And what are these powers and forces of, of darkness and evil? Well, we certainly don't know all that we, we might want to ask about these things. And we're not going to go into great detail now. But what we can piece together very briefly is that there are angelic beings that rebelled against God and that they hate God. They hate the church. They hate people. And they don't want, don't want people to become Christians. And the leader of these rebels is called Satan or the devil. Now, if you like Sherlock Holmes stories, then the devil is a bit like Moriarty. He was the kind of uh, the head of the, the crime world with his uh, uh, kind of strings being pulled, manipulating and influencing the, the, the crime world behind the scenes. Well, maybe uh, on the kind of American scene, thoughts of the, the mafia and so on, uh, or, or in other parts of the world where the mafia are, are, are at work, you've got the mafia boss, the godfather, who's behind uh, the, the crime that goes on. Satan's a bit like that. The devil's a bit like that. We don't see him, but he's there influencing things. Now, we're not told enough so that we can have a, a comprehensive manual on the enemy and his tactics, but we do know enough that we need to be cautious and we need to obviously be careful not to speculate where the Bible doesn't tell us things, but we do know enough to be cautious. We're told enough to be aware and to be wary of our enemy. So as Christians, we need to steer clear of anything to do with the occult, anything to do with horoscopes, anything to do with mediums or so-called spiritualist churches. Satanism would be an obvious thing, witchcraft and all such things, white or, or dark, Witchcraft is no difference. It's all part of the same thing. Just keep away and keep your children away from these things. And these are some of the most blatant expressions of the spiritual enemy that we face. But the devil more commonly uses more subtle means. And that's what we're going to focus on now. Now, 
God doesn't tell us everything that we might speculate or want to know about, but he tells us enough to survive. He tells us enough to stand strong. And we do have enemies and we are in a battle and we need to take that seriously. Now, let's think about the, the enemy's tactics. Let's think about uh, what, we, what we do need to know. Let's think about the enemy's tactics. Now, the clue is in the armour. The clue is in the armour that our wise God gives us. In Ephesians 6, verse 13, it talks about uh, in the face of the battles that we face, therefore put on the full armour of God. And the first part of the armour is in verse 14. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it points out the fact that the enemy, one of his tactics is to attack our centre of balance. What do we believe? What are the basics of the Christian faith? Have you, have I got the, the foundational level bedded into my mind and into my heart? Am I a balanced Christian in sense of having the truth tight, buckled around my waist, the centre of my balance? In judo, the, the belt around your waist is um, roughly at the centre of your balance. And if you can get someone off balance, if you can get a person moving belt-wise, as it were, if you can get someone moving in that area, the movement, the centre of balance is, is shifted and you can get them over, put the leg in the right place or, or, and, and so on. Now, the enemy, our enemy, our spiritual enemy, tries to get us off balance. Now, a strike, a punch at the waist could get us off balance as we, as we move back, being hit there or, or shoved there. And it's like being tempted and shaken. Are you sure of what you're supposed to believe? Do you really know? You might be wrong. And if we don't know our Bibles, if we don't know the truth, we could get caught off balance. Years ago, Bob Dylan wrote a song, Many Try to Stop Me, Shake Me Up in My Mind. Say, prove to me that he's the Lord. Show me a sign. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to shake us up in our minds. Verse 14 uh, moves on to the next section uh, of the armour that God gives to us and gives us a clue of how the enemy's tactics work. And in verse 14, it talks about the, the breastplate of righteousness in place. The enemy attacks our conscience, our sense of worth. Are you good enough? Remember those bad thoughts, those things you said. Remember what you did back then. You're a right loser, aren't you? And so the enemy will attack our conscience. And so therefore, we talk about the, the breastplate and we'll come back to the, the how we use the armour a bit later on. But that's another area where Satan will attack us, try to drag up the past. He attacks our conscience and our sense of worth. And then verse 15 talks about how the, the enemy will attack our readiness. And it says there, we need to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the, the enemy will try to attack our readiness. He will try to slow us up in our mission. He will try to keep us turning and being distracted. What's the urgency? There are so many other issues, so many other things of life. And there are so many other priorities, aren't there? So many plates that we need to keep spinning in our daily lives. So many directions that we could be turning. And the enemy wants to keep you turning. He wants to keep you going in any direction other than making spreading the gospel your prime focus. And so he will attack our readiness. And then the enemy will attack our faith. Verse 16 says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
So the enemy attacks our faith and he whispers, can you really trust God? Can you really trust him? Now, courage, endurance, purpose, hope, fortitude, all this comes from faith, doesn't it? Trust in God. Sometimes, let's be honest, the only thing that's holding us together, and it feels very thin at times, but the only thing that's holding us together is that faith in God, that trust in God. It's almost like we're holding on by our fingernails, isn't it? And if the enemy can disturb our faith, we will be very weak. So we need to be aware that the enemy will attack our confidence in God. And then the enemy will attack, if you like, our heads. He will attack our sense of assurance. We look at verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. So the enemy will attack our assurance and he questions us, are you really saved? What if you're not really safe in Christ? What if you're not a real Christian? And it's a bit like attacking the head, shakes you up again in, in, your, in your brain and, and you can't concentrate, you can't focus. A mind at rest and at peace is a great thing. But to be discombobulated is very disorienting. It's one of my favorite words, discombobulated, if you didn't know. And it means to be disorientated, like a, a bang to the head like that. And, and then you, you, you're discombobulated and then someone can come in with a punch and, uh, and knock you for six. To feel unsafe, to feel insecure, unsure can bring great anxiety and fear. And if you're anxious and fearful, it's very hard to stand and fight in the battle. So the enemy will attack our sense of assurance. And then in verse 19, we see that the enemy will attack our courage. Verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul is praying for courage, that he won't be fearful. And the enemy will attack our courage. The enemy will try to alarm us. He'll say to us, think of the risk. Keep your head down. Shut up and be safe. Don't be so bold in saying to people that you're a Christian. Just keep, keep quiet. Spreading the gospel, of course, is one of the great purposes of being a Christian. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But it can be dangerous, can't it? From mockery to cancelling to imprisonment or worse. And this is happening to Christians around the world today as they put their head above the parapet and say, yes, I'm a Christian. I've become a Christian. I was brought up this, but now I've, I'm following Jesus. And they risk, may take a great risk in being open about their faith. It is a, a challenging task. Now, we see from these, um, uh, what arm, the armor that God gives us, we see clues into the ways that the enemy will attack us. And notice that these, all these attacks are to the mind and to the heart, aren't they? To the mind and the heart. And the enemy is often very subtle. He doesn't announce himself as himself. The devil doesn't come along and say, hello, I'm the devil, does he? He doesn't do that. But throughout each day, hidden in the media, in the news even, in songs and films, the mockery and ranting of skeptics, in the cults that spread distorted versions of Christianity, the enemy will drip by drip influence us with thoughts, claims, lies, examples, fake news, threats that attack our thinking, attack our confidence and our trust. They will try to destroy our passion and to knock our courage to stand firm and to keep going. So we have an enemy and he fights dirty and he fights subtly and we need to be aware of that. But then lastly, we need to look at how we make our stand. Let's uh, think positively of how we make our stand. And the first thing as we come across is the belt. 
uh, verse 13 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God because we do have an enemy. Put on the full armor of God. God will, will, will step in as we make our stand with the strength that we need. And he will give us the, the courage and the help to face the battle. And God has given us armor. As I say, we say be strong, but be strong in the Lord, in his strength and with the provision that he gives to us to fight and to stand strong. He's given us his armor and he's given us protection so that we can make our stand in the heat of the battle. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Buckle up your belt. Basically, get the Bible basics. Get the fundamentals of what Christians believe under your belt. Get a, a good foundational knowledge or get some ballast in your hole. Get some ballast of the truth in your heart and in your life. You can read the Bible yourself, obviously. But if you want a book to study, to, to really get some of the basis of Christianity into your heart and mind, then let me know or let your home group leader know. And we'd, we'd love to organize that for you. A book to read on your own, a study guide or maybe some personal tuition. If you want that, just ask. Don't be afraid to ask. You can, again, ask your home group leader, ask me or someone else you trust in the church, so you know in the church, and you say, I really really want to get a good gra grasp of the basics uh, so that I can have my belt buckled around my waist and have some good foundational knowledge of the Christian faith. And then we see that we need to get our breastplate on. Verse 14, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So get your breastplate on. This is protection from the enemy reminding you of your past failures and your current struggles. Instead, remind yourself of why you're righteous before God. Why are you righteous before God? What protects you from a conscience of despair? Well, who is your righteousness? Well, Christ Jesus is your righteousness, isn't he? He paid the price for you to be right with God. So when the devil reminds you of your past, or, or when the enemy, or when your conscience kind of remind you of your current struggles what is your righteousness what is your right standing before God based on is it your performance no not of course of course not it's your righteousness of Christ that covers your guilt and your sin and you can stand and continue in that breastplate of righteousness you aim to please God each day but your failures are covered by him you want to please your father but your failures are covered by that breastplate of righteousness and you can maintain your stand. So keep on standing on. And then the next part of the armor we thought about is what goes on our feet. And with your feet in verse 15, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So get your boots on. Don't give in to the distractions. What's the urgency the enemy says? Ah, don't listen to that. Get your feet fitted and ready to go. The Roman uh, soldier's boots had spikes on the bottom so you can stand your ground. Don't don't give in. You have your mission. Just do it. Stand strong. Don't get turned. Stand firm in your orders. You have a great mission and responsibility. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Don't be distracted or diverted from it. And then in verse 16, we see the shield of faith. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So take up your shield. Okay. Now, the temptation comes. Can you really trust God? And the, the arrow of doubt is like a, a heat seeking missile that's going straight for your heart, tracking your heart. Can you really trust God? Hold that shield tight in place and that fiery arrow that looks so deadly as it's as, as it's flying its way towards you will quickly be extinguished 
when it hits that shield, it will come to nothing. You just got to hold tight to the truth. Hold tight, hold tight and trust what God says. You're on your own. You're on your own, the enemy says. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You're a failure. You're a rotten failure. But the Bible says that in Christ, my sins are forgiven. You hold on to that shield of faith and you extinguish that arrow. You may as well give up because you're so weak and powerless. Be strong in the Lord and in his strength. You hold up the shield of faith and the arrow is extinguished. Doubts and fears, it's a bit like going into a tunnel where our senses are on edge. Our feelings are haywire, but God gives us his word. And you and I, I'm sure we've been through this experience many times. Going through a dark tunnel, scared stiff because we can't see or, or feel properly what's going on. But God's truth, it's like a hand in the darkness that we can trust. Someone who can who can see in the dark when we can't. And all we need to do is to hold on to his hand and keep on going. Take up your shield of faith. Hold on. Hold on. And then we see in verse 17, we need to put our, our helmet on. Take the helmet of salvation. Remember, the enemy will say to you, are you really saved? You know, can you be sure that you're a Christian? What after all this? Just imagine what after all this you don't go to heaven. What if you blow it with a stupid mistake? What's the point, eh? Panic, give up. That's what the enemy wants us to do through the various subtle means he has. Instead of giving into panic, put your helmet on. Protect your mind from that panic. How? By applying the truth that those who repent and believe and follow Jesus are saved. What does the Bible say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Your helmet's on. What have you done? You've repented of your sin and you're believing and you're following Jesus. What does the Bible say? Those who repent and believe are saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What have you done? You're believing in the name of the Lord Jesus. You're trusting in Jesus as your saviour who died for you. Your helmet's on. You're secure in Christ. Carry on standing your ground. Don't panic. You're loved more securely than you can ever dream. Put your helmet on. And then we see the sword of the spirit in verse 17. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You need to wield the sword. Use the sword of the spirit. Now, all these bits of armor that we talked about are basically defensive. I suppose you could hit someone with a shield and so on, and you can kick someone with your boots and so on. Um, uh, don't do that at home, by the way, <laughs> children. Um, but how do we get the enemy to back off? What weapons of attack do we have? How can we take the initiative? Well, take the sword of the spirit. He doesn't like it at him, you know, the sword. He doesn't like it at him. And Satan doesn't like the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit, is, if you like, is the Bible applied to any given situation with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Bible and it's the word of God. And in this particular case, the sword of the spirit is how that God helps us, how the Holy Spirit helps us to apply the Bible in the battle, in the heat of the battle. So, for example, it might be a temptation and you pray and you remember a particular Bible verse that helps you to stand strong. You might be helping someone who is arguing against Christianity and you, you're trying to help them. You're trying to help them to understand. And inside, as you kind of talk uh, on the, with your mouth, as it were, inside you're praying and you, you think of that Bible passage to show that person as the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. 
uh, and you're, you're afraid of something in a situation where you almost give into panic and you pray and the Holy Spirit helps you to remember that Bible truth or that specific Bible verse to enable you to stand. And that's what Jesus did, didn't he, when he was tempted in the wilderness, when he defeated Satan. He quoted from the Bible to shut the devil up and to resist the temptation. So use the sword of the Spirit. And of course, it's important that we know the Bible to be able to use the sword of the Spirit effectively. So those Bible verses are in our minds and in our hearts, ready to come out when they need to be. Now, and verse 18 talks about praying and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So don't give up. Pray. Don't give up praying. Prayer is so important. We've talked about prayer a lot, haven't we, uh, in our sermons and our studies. Don't give up. Pray. You're too weak for all this, the enemy says to us in subtle ways. What's the point? What's the point of carrying on? Well, what we do is we don't give up. Instead, we pray. A Christian at prayer, the devil beware. You might think that's just a saying. Well, no, because prayer engages with God and releases the power we need to keep going. God has chosen not to just, for his kingdom to just roll out automatically through history. God has chosen to use you and I in that process as we pray. As we pray, progress is made. As we pray, people's, people are reached. As we pray in the United Kingdom, in England, there are people across the other sides of the world, in, in Tajikistan, in Uzbekistan, in Uganda, in Kyrgyzstan, in Africa and other parts of Africa. There are people who are becoming Christians because you're praying, because you're praying for that missionary family, because you're praying for Adam and Laura, because you're praying for John and Hannah, because you're praying for other missionary friends that you know of, for uh, the Kellys in, in Mozambique and so on. God is at work. God in God releases his power as we pray for people and situations and for each other as well. How am I going to get through this week? How are you going to get through this week? God uses our prayers for each other. Paul asked for prayer. The, the amazing, famous apostle Paul, was he superpower? Not at all. But he, he prayed. He asked for prayer. He prayed for himself and he got others to pray for him. So prayer is important. Prayer engages with God and releases the power that we need to keep going. And that's why church prayer meetings are so important. And as uh, Chris was encouraging us earlier on to come to the prayer time on Thursday, if at all possible. And then verse 19, we see the need to pray for proclamation courage, for proclamation courage. Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. This is a specific prayer for courage to speak, courage to make known the gospel. Pray for proclamation courage. The enemy will say to us, think of the risk. Shut up and be safe. But we think of all the Christians around the world for whom they take a severe risk to stand up and to be counted, to consider preachers and pastors who are liable to be put in prison for sharing the gospel. Well, Paul, he was, was obviously feeling his proneness to fear, his potential to be afraid. And he asks for prayer, prayer to fearlessly make known the gospel. And so we need to pray for such people today who are making known the gospel, local and, and abroad. And you'll never know what good you've done until you get to heaven. You'll never know. Just think, as I said earlier, you could be praying for someone across the other side of the world right now. 
and God will be releasing his power to help that person to have the courage for persecuted Christians in many parts of the world. Now notice that all the attacks are to the mind and to the heart, aren't they? And the ways that we protect ourselves and press the attack are all linked together, aren't they? So, for example, get to know the Bible, get to know truth and pray, get to know the truth that your righteousness is in Christ, get to know the truth that you have a mission, get, get your boots on them, get on, get involved in a mission, get to know the truth that you can trust God, you can take up your shield of faith and stand strong when the enemy fires his flaming arrows and so on. They're, they're linked together, these these. Uh, weapons of armor these defensive parts of the armor apply the bible truth to your fundamental balance to have a if you like a good center of balance to your conscience to your heart to your mind to prayer apply bible truth so there's a, a real link here to a grasp of god's word god's truth the bible how we rely upon him how we talk to him how we have a relationship with the holy spirit as we pray and seek god's help and so on so they're all linked together. And also we see that there is a fellowship issue here as well, a fellowship issue. Now, how do we get to know the Bible better? We can read the Bible on our own, but we learn it together. We're learning it. We're doing it now, aren't we? We're getting the belt buckled around our waist by what we're doing right now. We talk about praying. Well, we pray for each other, don't we? That's a fellowship thing we do. And as we meet, as we share time with each other, and we do long for for meeting face to face, don't we? And sharing our lives more with each other. And as we do that, we, we encourage each other. We, we see how God has helped us through problems when we're honest about our struggles and difficulties, how people are going through depression, how people are going through chronic pain, how people are going through fears and doubts. And as we share these things, as we, as we pray for each other, as we ask questions, as we say, I'd like to know more about that. I don't understand that part of the Bible. Please help me. As we do all this, we're, we're growing. We're getting stronger. We're helping each other. So it's a fellowship issue here. And it's wonderful that in this battle, we're not on our own. The Lord is with us. Be strong in the Lord. But also we're together in this. And we see how Paul asks for prayer. It's a fellowship thing. It's a, a thing that we do together. It's a battle where we are together in. So that's good to know. I'm glad I'm not on I've got, I've got you with me in this battle so stand strong hold your ground take up the armor of God and you will be able to stand even in the most evil the most difficult the most trying of days shall we pray heavenly father lord we've been faced with the reality that we're in a spiritual battle lord and we acknowledge that not acknowledge that lord it's not easy and you know that, of course. And you, you're telling us about it so that we realise it's not going to be easy. But Lord, we also thank you that we can be strong in you and with the strength that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, that the victory has already been won in Christ. Lord, that this battle that we're fighting is not for the final victory, but it's because Jesus has won the final victory. And Lord, on the way, as we go to that day of great um, uh, celebration, Lord, our mission is to help others to come with us into that victory. Our mission is not to win the battle at the cross. Jesus did that. Our mission is to fight, to love others, to help others to see the truth, to help others to uh, continue fellow Christians, but also to help others who don't yet know him to become part of this 
this family in Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for the kind of battle that we're in, not the desperate struggle for victory, but because Jesus has won. So we go from victory unto victory until Christ we see. So help us, Father, as we engage in this battle day by day. Help us with the things that we face the rest of this day and in this coming week, the challenges that lie before us. Help us to use the armour prayerfully and wisely. And Lord, help us to have fellowship with each other in this. Help us to help each other in the battle. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.